Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This episode is going to come out on Tuesday the 18th of October 2022 and that is of course the very first opening day of the Caravan and Motorhome show. So I will be there and I'll be there on the Tuesday, Wednesday and some of the Thursday. I hope you're going to be there as well looking and looking forward to it. I've got a few appointments in my diary already, but if anybody wants to meet up, say hello, give you some feedback on the podcast or anything else, please let me know and I'll be very happy to arrange that. I do hope to do an episode from the show next week. So I will be buzzing around the place and trying to catch some people for a quick five minutes there to hear how the show is going for them and what's what's new. I know that the show's already sold out on at least one of the days, so um, let's hope that it's a great success. I know it's half-term for some areas of the country, so hopefully there'll be lots of families there, particularly at the weekend as well. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how the show goes and what the attendance figures are like, and most importantly, of course, what sales figures are like for the show. I'm looking forward to it. Also next week is the, well, for me, it's quite a busy week because I have the Caravan Writers Guild AGM, and at that AGM, if all goes according to plan, I'm going to become the chairman, which is going to be interesting and exciting for the next year or so. And it also means on the Wednesday night, there's the Caravan Writers Guild Industry Dinner. And it's a special dinner this year because the Guild is celebrating its 40th anniversary. So we've got to a new venue and it's going to be yeah quite a special menu, actually. And I look forward to seeing lots of people there. So what else? This week, so I don't know if you've seen the latest issue of Practical Caravan or Practical Motorhome, but my uh, summer holiday touring feature is in that, which is great fun. Uh, see some of the family and our surfing exploits down in southwest France. That's our surfing exploits in the widest sense of the term because didn't I didn't actually get on to, <laughs> to stand up on any board at any moment during the trip at all but it was a fantastic trip and I enjoyed writing it so that's really good so yes half term is looming large on the horizon and I hope this beautiful sunny weather is going to continue for that so I've got some more interviews coming up for the podcast and now that I'm three months in I've tried to do a diverse selection of people to interview from different sectors of the industry and a couple from outside it really. I'm just really keen to get any feedback, really. I, I think I know which episodes I've enjoyed the most. It's quite early days to be looking, to be getting too excited about listening figures because the podcast is so new and still finding its feet. But do welcome any any feedback from, from you. If you want to just email me at john at rawlingscommunications.com, that would be great. And if you're interested in doing a podcast for your business, please let's have a chat about it because it is a really good communications tool and I think it's something that's underutilised in the caravan industry at the moment. So there's a great opportunity there and I would love to help you if that's at all possible. So if you want to have a chat about that as well, please let me know. So on to this week's episode, it's a bit of a media spotlight actually. I'm interviewing 
a journalist called Marcus Leach. Marcus is, well, he'll introduce himself in the in the interview, obviously, but he's currently away on like an 18-month-plus motorhome t- trip with his young family, which is, some would say, quite brave with, with children of, I think they're four and seven, living full-time with, with him and his wife in the motorhome. They ha- are having an awesome trip, though, I have to say. If you've been following them on him on any of the social media, platforms, predominantly Twitter and Instagram, either, well, he'll give his, his handles, but the trip's called called their big European odyssey. And they're doing the Schengen shuffle, I think it's called at the moment, because obviously they can only spend, because of Brexit, they can only spend a certain number of days, 90 days in, in the Europe. Union. So they have therefore spent quite a lot of time in Croatia, Montenegro, Bosnia, really interesting and sounds really exciting places to go. And he's blogging about it quite a lot. So Marcus isn't just a journalist, he's a content creator, brand ambassador. So I think we could probably call him an influencer as well. Uh, and I wanted to interview him because it's, I think the content he's producing is, and the volume of it is pretty awesome. And the fact that he's a professional journalist with a good experience and is utilising his skills to work on the road is all the more interesting. So, and I'm slightly indulgent as well, because I would love to build a ship like that. So I wanted to hear how it was going and what his future plans are. So before I say any more, I will stop there and we'll hand over to my interview with Marcus Leach. So this week's guest on my Caravan Industry Insights podcast is Marcus Leach, an athlete, speaker and journalist who's currently travelling full-time in a motorhome with his wife and two young children. They're on, they're on a big European odyssey and having left the UK in May, are planning to be away for about 18 months or so, I believe. So living the dream. There were, there were two reasons why I wanted to interview Marcus for the podcast. Firstly, as I love travelling, and grew up on a caravan holidays exploring Europe. I'm obviously very envious of his big adventure, but also curious to hear what, what the reality of life on the road as a family is actually like. Is the van life dream all it's cracked up to be? And secondly, con- Marcus is, is producing a huge amount of content during his trip for various outlets. And I think that uh, there's some useful uh, insights from the from media and marketing point of view that we can all learn from him to see how he's managed to do this and, and is making it work. He's writing articles for various different media sectors and and various sponsors so maybe he describes himself as an influencer we'll uh, we'll find out so being constantly on the move and often in quite remote locations it's been quite hard to pin Marcus down to somewhere with decent wi-fi but we finally caught up with him in Croatia so hello Marcus how are you I'm very good. And thank you very much for inviting me to be on the podcast. No, but it's great to catch up with you at Hogmarts. I haven't seen you for a, a while, but you're in Croatia. You've, where's, where have you just come from? Was it Bosnia or Montenegro? So we were in Montenegro. We'd come back to Croatia because we've got a couple of work projects here and my wife's family are coming to visit us during the half-term break. Oh, brilliant. So, yeah, but we'd been in Bosnia as well, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. And I I had my eyes open to Bosnia and Montenegro when we did the trip with Bailey back in 2018, I think it was, to Bristambul. Yes. Yes. Our time in those countries was fleeting, but it was enough to pique my interest and make me realise that they were two incredible travel destinations that we as a family haven't then started to research where we're really keen to go and spend a lot more time there. 
So, yeah, yeah I, I, but, I agree. They both looked fascinating. And we literally had a night in each, <laughs> if, if that really, as we, we were dashing on our way to, uh, all the way to Istanbul. But yeah, that's when I first met you. In the, I remember picking you up from the airport in Dubrovnik when you joined us for, the, for that leg of the trip. So, yeah. And uh, presumably... I've seen a lot of people going to Croatia this year. Presumably this is partly because of all the, the, the Euro 90-day, uh, Brexit 90-day limit on travelling without a visa and, and Croatia not being in the EU at the moment. Ah, Marcus is, he froze then for a minute, Marcus. Did you catch all that? I did. I, I think I got the, the gist of what you were saying in terms of Croatia with the 90 and 180-day rule for the yes. Schengen. The Schengen shuffle. Yeah, and, it, and it's exactly the same for us. I think we would have planned to have come to the, sort of this part of the world anyway, but maybe yeah. not spent as much time here as we have been. But I remember when we were planning the route, we were cursing Brexit and cursed <laughs> Brexit a lot, even before planning this route, but particularly so in planning this trip. But actually now when we look at it from what we've just experienced here and having to be out of the Schengen area for at least 90 days because we yeah. had our 90 days in, yeah. uh, we couldn't be happier because it's really given us the time uh, to go and explore some truly magnificent places and places that people might not automatically think of as definitely destination. Yeah, now, I know a lot of people... A lot of people come to Croatia, or at least the northern sort of tip of Croatia and the sort of the Istri Peninsula, because it's very geared up for holidays. But I don't yeah. think many people necessarily think of heading further into Croatia and then across to Bosnia or Montenegro. And mm -hmm. I personally think people should reconsider that because they are countries that are, are developing a network for touring. There's some great campsites. And I think a couple of the campsites we've stayed at in one in Bosnia that sticks out and one in Montenegro that sticks out were as good as, if not better than some of the ones we stayed at in Europe. And I think they've almost got an attitude of we need to really try hard and yeah. have good standards to yeah. want people want to come here. Because otherwise people think, oh, it's basic, it's simple. There's nothing, you know, there's not a network of, of facilities there, but actually there are. And then around that, you've got some really untouched, beautiful places to go and visit where you're not queuing with hundreds of other people to go and see something because, relatively speaking, there's very few people visiting that corner of the world at the moment. Yeah, no, it's definitely much more off the beaten track. I mean, yeah, Croatia seems to have been, seems to be very busy it's, and there's some massive campsites there. Uh, when we went to, the night we had, well, we, we pulled into Montenegro. We were meant to spend the night there, but we had some border issues. But that campsite owner was absolutely thrilled to see us, wasn't he? He was so enthusiastic. So presumably it sounds like the rest have been like that as well. Yeah, and I think it's not just the campsite owners, it's the people in general. In Bosnia, the, the people we met in Bosnia and Herzegovina were so warm and welcoming, you know, from taxi drivers, street vendors, shop owners, restaurant owners, just people who wanted to have a chat to us because we were very clearly not locals. <laughs> Everyone was so welcoming. They were so happy and grateful that we'd come to their country to do what we were doing, because obviously we talked to them about, you know, we're here traveling, we're documenting our travels. And it, it's almost like they, they feel that maybe that in the rest of the world, Bosnia and Herzegovina doesn't get the credit it maybe is, is worth, or people think ill of it, or have a maybe a negative opinion of it, or what's happened in the past in its history maybe makes people think it's not a safe destination yeah but yeah 
I couldn't disagree with that any, you know, more strongly because uh, never did we ever feel unsafe there. We were always made to feel welcome. There's a huge amount to see and do there. There's a country with so much history and not just modern history, but a, a history that goes back hundreds of years to the Ottoman Empire and then the Austro-Hungarian influence. And it's all there to see mm. in almost like a living museum. It's absolutely fantastic. It's, it's a fascinating place to visit. Yeah, no, it does sound fascinating. I've been stalking you on social media and the, the posts that you've been posting are uh, yeah, really inspiring. So I guess it's a bit bit further from the UK for most people in a, in a standard holiday, but it's definitely, you're opening it up. And it's giving you lots of content to write about as well, because it's such an un, unknown commodity. So if I heard you rightly, you were saying about sort of, it seems to be a, a longer way for a standard holiday, but part of an actual trip that it, it, it's definitely yeah. on the agenda. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Bosnia and Herzegovina and Montenegro are a little bit further away. And if you've only got a couple of weeks, obviously, it is a long way. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. but we met quite a few people in Croatia from from the UK who are doing sort of a three or four week trip. And I think nice if you're happy just into the into sort of Eastern Europe, then Croatia and they're 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 there and they're easy to access. But I think definitely if you're yeah. doing a slightly longer tour, maybe four weeks or more, yeah, they should definitely be considered as as places to come and visit. So just being really practical for a second, obviously. Uh, what, what about uh, insurance and various documentation? Is this quite straightforward to cross into those countries? Yeah, it couldn't be easier. I mean, once you get to Slovenia, the crossing between Slovenia and Croatia is a hard border because mm-hmm. it's not part of the Schengen. So obviously there's a little bit of a wait there. But in terms of documentation, no, we've obviously got our V5 for the vehicle and then we don't own our motorhome obviously it's yeah. a, a bailey of bristol motorhome yeah so we just have a cover letter to say that obviously we have it on a long-term lease yeah we had that translated so obviously that makes life uh, very easy well done from an insurance point of view we have obviously the bailey vehicle insurance and then we have red pennant insurance through the caravan and motorhome club right the only thing you have to consider is going into Bosnia, not a problem, into Montenegro. Most insurances in Montenegro for your vehicle don't cover Montenegro, but it's super easy to go and buy one. We bought a 30-day policy that cost us 30 euros. And if you go to any local town or one of the bigger cities, then they yeah. all have insurance brokers who will do that for you. And it couldn't have been a more straightforward process, apart from a little bit of translation issues but we had google translate and we had it all sorted yeah it just sounds like a proper adventure because you're just like a bit more unusual isn't it i mean sadly bosnia is is best known for for war times isn't it and that's all we remember it for but i suppose that's why it's good to hear that you've been there and it's perfectly safe and campsites are fantastic yeah and for myself and kim that was our memory of bosnia or not our memory that was our our knowledge of bosnia seeing it on the news every evening you know reports from the seizure of sarajevo yeah and i was eight nine ten at the time and i remember it and so obviously going to sarajevo was a very emotional and moving experience for us Mm -hmm. Uh, but to meet people there of our age who grew up there and to hear their stories was was really moving and enlightening as well to hear what life was like then and how life went on but you know that was one part of a a much much bigger war yeah. and you know the, the the scars of the war are there still to see on the buildings in people's stories mm-hmm. but 
Bosnia is more than Sarajevo. Sarajevo is a fantastic city. And even if yeah. you just flew there for a long weekend, it's a great place to go and visit. But Bosnia is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people look for long weekends away. And yeah. I think, you know, Sarajevo is a great place, especially if you enjoy food and culture, because it's got a, a real vibrant scene on that front. Excellent. Oh, definitely. Well, but to add that to the bucket list, uh, definitely go back there. That sounds great. Really good. So, so let's go back to basics. Tell me about life on the road with your, with your. How old are your children now? Five, six, uh, Harris, seven. Harrison is seven, and Dorothy is four. Four. Okay. So this is a pretty good age to be out of school, and and you can homeschool them to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. No, life on the road is. I mean. It's incredible. I won't, you know, there's no point sort of sort of trying to say it's not. It, it's an incredible experience, but mm-hmm. that's not to say it's an easy experience. Obviously, it's a choice that we made. And we love being together as a family. Yeah, We love spending time with the children. And I think, funny enough, it was being at home during the lockdowns. I know they seem like a lifetime ago now, but during those lockdowns, it sort of gave us the belief that we all get on well enough as a family to be with each other all the time. We've done the homeschooling element of it at home already. So we're like, well, hang on, you know, at this level of their education, yeah. if we're going to take them out of school, now would be the opportune yeah. time to do that. Yeah, I can um, see that. But it's not without its challenges. And I think a lot of people sometimes looking from the outside in think, oh, you know, you're here, you're there, you're seeing this, you're doing that. Wow, what an amazing life and it looks like one big holiday Mm -hmm. Uh, but the reality is is we are living our life just on the road in a motorhome so there's still all the everyday elements of life that you or anybody who lives in a house at home has to consider so we still work so we have to factor that in yeah we have children who are now of a school age so there has to be the element of the education yeah so it's not just a holiday you know mm-hmm. you still have to do the washing up every day you still have yeah. to do the laundry every week you know you have to do all of these things that yes. are a normal part of life but the payoff is that once those elements are done you're stepping out of your front door and you're in the mountains or you're by a beautiful lake and you can go and swim or you can go and have a hike as a family or there's a water park right next to where you are and there's all of these wonderful things so when you're not doing the everyday life element mm-hmm. there's this amazing world of adventure out there but you've got to be you've got to be constantly researching where to go next or planning things as well i suppose that must take and they, and i am really impressed with the amount of content you produce virtually every every day because i know what i know what that's like if you're on a trip trying to take photos and create content for your social channels etc that is quite well burden isn't quite the right word but it's, it's a responsibility isn't it and you've got that on your mind constantly thinking yes need to make notes about that it's it is because some of the trips I do, if I do travel features every now and again. And uh, yes, it's lovely, but it is still work at the end of the day because you're trying to, you've got to write about it as well, haven't you? Yeah. And that's the payoff and yeah. the bargain that we made with ourselves was yeah. how can we make our dream to travel and to live on the road work from a financial point of view, from a work point of view? Yeah. And obviously, I've worked within sort of the travel and the cycling industry from a from a from a writing point of view for several years now so that was the obvious you know uh, outlet was sort of funding it through writing and creating content for yeah. magazines but then it yeah. was also having a, a think about how can we do this to incorporate brands into this as well yeah so it, it, and then it was finding a balance because we probably could have gone and found more brands to partner with mm-hmm. get 
we wanted this to be more balanced towards having the most amazing adventure on the road, not simply working in amazing places. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a big difference for us. So yes, yes, we work and we produce content and we, we're very passionate about storytelling and, and sharing, not just sharing our journey to say to people, look what we're doing, but to try and inspire other people to expand their own horizons. Yeah. I think lockdown and the last few years made us realize that, you know, life's short, life's precious, and there's a huge, big, wide world out there. And it was only when it was kind of taken away from us that we couldn't go to places that we suddenly realized how much we loved traveling. Yes. And so we want to inspire other people. It doesn't have to be to travel to the Balkans. It might be for some people just to head somewhere different in France or to somewhere in Portugal, or maybe to think, you know, we go to Southern Spain every year. So why don't we go to Morocco next year and do something different? And Mm -hmm. to then also give them the belief that, well, hang on, if they can do it and they're just normal everyday people, then so can we. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I get that completely. Really good. But, but also in a way, the actual creating of content is, is good fun because it makes you engage a little bit more sometimes in the places you are, because sometimes you might go to sort of, I don't know, some medieval ruins, for example, and you might look at them and think, well, that's wonderful. That's great. But actually, when you think, well, I need to write about this and incorporate this into my story, you start to actually want to know more about the places you're in. Yeah. And that has two purposes or two benefits. Not only do we understand it and learn more about the environments and the landscapes we're in, but it's yeah. fantastic for the children as well because we can start to involve them and that then becomes a part of their sort of educational side of things. Brilliant. Because they're learning about, you know, why was this castle here? Who lived in this castle? You know, what what was the history around it? And so we become teachers, but also students everywhere we go. Brilliant. So it brings it, it, brings it alive for them, doesn't it? Seeing the reality. Yeah. And have you met many other families on the road? We have more recently, yes. During the summer, I think obviously most of the people we're meeting on the site were holidaymakers. Yeah. But now that we're out of school, out of school holidays, and that we've sort of ventured a bit further, the people we're starting to meet and uh, along the way on campsites or just whilst we're out in in the mountains and things are what I would call travellers, people who are doing more long-term trips. Yeah, And yes, there's a few families we've met along the way. We we met a German family who have been on the road for a lot longer than us. They're in their second year now. And they're wow. children of a wider age range as well, going into sort of the teen years. Right. And it's really interesting how they're approaching it from an educational point of view, from a sustainable point of view of long-term travel. Mm-hmm. So it's been great to meet people doing what we're doing who are further along in the journey because it's right. also given us the belief that maybe we can extend our journey longer than we had originally planned. Do you think you will? It's it's <laughs> difficult to say. I think, yes, we would absolutely love to. There's a couple of factors to consider. Obviously, can we keep, you know... Uh, doing this from a point of view of producing content and working with the brands we work with, obviously there's conversations to be had there. Yeah. Uh, but yes, if we could continue having that support, we would absolutely love to. And I think the other factor for us to always consider is the children because yeah. both myself and Kim would very much just keep traveling and indefinitely. But yeah. I think there comes a time where you have to think the children are loving this adventure. They really are. Yeah. I think for Dorothy, it's easier because she was at nursery and she was three. So she didn't 
she had children she played with, but she didn't have friends. Right. Um, and she'll often make reference to something that reminds her of her school, but yeah. she won't mention people specifically. So I don't think she truly misses home so much. I think she's very adaptable. But I think with Harrison, he was at school. Yeah. He had friends and he talks about his friends. And we're always conscious that whilst they meet a lot of different children from all over the world and they play with a whole host of different children, which is fantastic for them, there might come a time where he wants to be at home with friends and relationships that are more than just two or three days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can understand so, that. Yeah. So we're, we're very open and honest as a family. We, I think one of the things traveling's taught us and being together all the time is, is we have to be, we have to communicate as a family. We have to be honest about how we're feeling. We have to respect each other's feelings and need to have time apart from each other. And I think that's the other thing, just coming back to one of the things you mentioned earlier, what's the realities of being on the road like? Yeah. It's intense. You know, we're living in a small space mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the only way you can sustain a happy, harmonious family life in that situation is to be very open. It's we're always encouraging the children to express their emotions, to to talk about how they feel. And it's funny just from a Parvington point of view, because often you will hear, you know, in a restaurant, a child's crying or this or that. And, and the parents just want them to be quiet because they, they don't want to cause a scene. And as parents, we believe if a child's crying, there's a reason why. And just telling them to be quiet is basically telling them suppress that emotion yeah. because you shouldn't be expressing it right now. Right. And we're actually quite the opposite. We want them to express their emotions because we want them to be able to tell us how they're feeling and why, Yeah, because we need to know and it might be something simple that's causing a, a problem and we can resolve it if we're honest and open and we talk about it and i think that's the only way we've been able to keep this going and at the start of the trip it felt like a big holiday so every yeah. day we're always together everyone's doing something together we felt guilty if we were doing work because we should be off seeing this or doing that and i think as time's gone on we've evolved into this we're living life on the road and it doesn't matter that there could be the most incredible mountain 10 meters from the, from the motorhome. If it's a work day, it's a work day. We need to do the work. Right. And that also means as well that coming back to the family element, that we all need our own individual time. Mm -hmm. So we now have it where Kim will go off and have a couple of hours to herself most days, yeah. whether that's to work or just to be by herself, to go and sit and have a coffee and not have to worry about the children. Sure. I do the same. Mine tends to be, I go off on my bike and I cycle in the mornings and I explore and I come back and say, look, I found this great place we can go to. Oh. And then for the children as well, it's having time apart from each other. It's doing something for Harrison that's relevant to his age, because otherwise you find yourself doing everything that's only relevant to a four-year-old's age. Right. Come and that's not yeah. fair on him. No. So it takes, I think the word to describe it is being conscious. It's being actively conscious about everything that's happening about how everyone's feeling and knowing that you're not always going to get, get it right and as parents there are times where we get frustrated with the kids but sure. we're with we're with them 100% of the time yeah. you know at home they go to school they go yes. to nursery they go to a grandparents house you have time without the children whereas now 100% <laughs> of the time it's us <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah and i think 
I, and I think that's great, though, because it, by being more conscious, we're just very much more aware of the world around us now and how we operate as a family. So I'd say that's been one of the biggest positives of this trip is how we are as a family now. Right. I know over in the States, there's uh, quite a number of families that go full-timing in, in RVs. I mean, admittedly, their RVs are probably three times the size of your motorhome. And there's even a magazine devoted to them now called Rootless Living, which I think is quite an interesting, interesting title. So yeah, maybe it's a thing. But I think you're quite brave as much as I, my, my children are 10 years older, older than both of yours. So yeah, not sure I'd want to do it with teenagers. But uh, when they're that your the age of yours, they are, yeah, pretty, pretty good age to do it really, isn't it? But yeah, in terms, yeah, I can understand how. And do you do you keep moving on? Do you? How? What's the longest you spend in one in one place, or do you p- completely play it by ear? The, the first three months was interesting because obviously we had one eye on the clock with the whole Schengen uh, uh, yes. time frame. Yes. We we had a we had a rough network of stops planned with the Caravan and Motorhome Club. So we had pre-booked sites with them, and then in between, we obviously didn't have anything booked and it was a case of let's see where we get to yeah and what we see along the way yeah so we had that 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 rough route but we even then within that found ourselves getting to a couple of campsites and we were like no we don't want to leave here after two or three days we absolutely love it so then we were sort of thinking right can we feasibly stay here for longer have a bigger driving day and then get to the next campsite next week and uh, and not have a problem and I think now that we've come out of the Schengen area where actually there's no there's no issues on the time front at all, yeah. we've really slowed down a lot more and we've been staying at places for four, five, six days because it's less disruptive for the children as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can, I think Dorothy sometimes struggles a little bit with the, the, the change, the days where we move on to sites because... You know, at the age of four, constant change around you can be quite unsettling when you want a bit of routine and things. So we've tried to really slow down a little bit at the moment and and then just see where where the road takes us. We're very much focused on slow travel and by setting our routes down for four or five days each time, Mm -hmm. we get the opportunity to, to discover places, to meet people. I think if you're always on the move, one night here, two nights there, you don't ever really get a full flavour of the places you are. So, so, yeah. So, so yeah, again, it's been something that's evolved over the trip because at the beginning we were moving quite regularly, whereas now we're happy just to, to stop. I think the longest we had in any site was nine nights in a campsite in, in the Dolomites. And normally after four or five days, we do feel like we're ready to move on because in four or five days, you tend to have done everything in the area. You tend to have used all the different facilities at a campsite or if you're wild camping, you know, you need to go and refill the water and, and have a hookup oh, yeah. for a night. Yeah. Um, but we did nine nights at a campsite in Italy. Hang on one second, John. Sure. All right. Sure, sure. I'm back. Sorry, <laughs> right, I know what it's like. It's good for the kids to understand that you, you are working. It's not just a holiday. No, it's funny because at the hotel, they've got this amazing kids club with all these different rooms of play and interactive and things. And they basically get like a little passport that checks them in and out. And they love it. And they've been there this morning. And I've got the do not disturb sign on the door. So I thought it was the cleaning lady. And I was like, the sign's <laughs> there. And Kim should have... I don't know what Kim was doing. I'm not blaming her, but she was. She's meant to just be making sure they're down there, but they've suddenly come up. But anyway, okay, cool. she's gone to get them. Okay, so I'm conscious of your time. Let's let's think about what else to say. I'm curious about all all your sponsors. Do you want to give them a bit of a shout out or? 
Yeah, I'm more than happy to. Obviously, yeah. as I said, the, the way we've commercialized this trip, and we're very open and honest with this, we wouldn't, well, we we could do this trip without the, the, the support, but I don't think we would be doing it at this stage in our lives without being able to partner with people. So, as I said, we we had the the journalism side of things, but yeah. then we wanted to bring brands on board as well because we believe that we can provide valuable content to them that for their audiences that yeah. showcases their product their services to show people that these are products and services that you can use all over the place really so it, yeah. the main one is obviously we, we partner with bailey of bristol so yeah uh, and you're a brand ambassador for them aren't you yeah yeah so yeah. as a family we're brand ambassadors for bailey yeah. Yeah, it's funny because people say, "Well, you would say this because you're an ambassador." <laughs> to them, but, but, but the motorhome that we're using at the moment, the Adamo seventy five four DL, is without doubt the most perfect motorhome for what we're doing. We've had other motorhomes of theirs in the past, and they're yeah. great motorhomes for smaller trips. But in terms of actually living on the road, having the the Adamo with the two double drop down beds, so basically, nice. it effectively. Your entire motorhome space is a living area in the daytime has been yeah. perfect. Because as I said, it is intense and space is at a premium so that you can have two separate areas with the children. It's great. So I can get yes. Sebastian yes. something with Dorothy. Kim could be at the front with Harrison. Yeah. And it just gives you that extra space. And also the ease of just pressing a button for the bed to come down <laughs> at night. And not I'm, with you, I'm with you on that. I can, <laughs> yeah, I can completely understand that. If you were doing it long term, I think that would be a, a tick but for absolutely 100% requirement for me. Yeah, yeah. good good answer. Yeah. 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 But you've, got a decent, also, you've got a decent garage on it as well, haven't you, for your bikes and stuff? Yes. So we've yeah. got the boot space at the back and then we've got a storage box on the back as well because oh, yeah. we put the bikes in the motorhome. Yeah. Uh, just just for double double safe and peace sure. of mind that the bikes aren't on display yes. um, at the back. So it's been fantastic. And I think it's one of those things. There's always stuff that you have that you don't need. When you live in a house, we tend to gather oh, yes. stuff. And yes, when yes, we yes. when we pack to move to, to move into the motorhome, we realized how little you actually need to live. But it's it, already we've gathered stuff in the motorhome where you think we don't <laughs> use this. We don't need this. So we've had a bit of a, a declutter recently. But oh, that's good. We actually haven't struggled on the space front. We've got more than enough space for everything that we've needed. You must have a limited number of clothes with, with you then. Yeah. Yeah. You're not fed up with wearing the same things. <laughs> no, we probably have enough for about 10 days on it. Yeah. Having something, you know, the kids probably need more clothes than we do, the amount they go through them. But no, we've. No, that's fine. The, the one thing that we thought we'd need that we've found that we haven't is we assigned quite a bit of space in the motorhome for the kids' toys. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. And it's been really interesting that I'd say 85% of the toys they packed to bring them, they've never touched. Uh. Because they've got this huge playground right outside the front door and it's the world. You know, yeah, brilliant. more often than not, they're happy just to go running off into the woods or into the mountains or the, the campsites we stay at. I've got parks and swimming pools and kids clubs and activities and yeah yeah lovely. There's so much for them to see and do that yeah. toys aren't as important as we might thought they would have been okay and they travel well well they might, the, the they... toys or the children <laughs> the children the children <laughs> yeah the, the the children are honestly loving loving the adventure yeah you know the the motorhome's great they've both got their seats on one side each they've both got a window to look out of 
And it's it's just one big adventure for them, as it is for us. Sure. So what about your other sponsors then? So we've also partnered with the Caravan and Motorhome Club. And you're um, you're blogging regularly for them. Yeah, yeah, so we're writing a whole series of blogs for them, producing yeah. visual content through social media channels as well for them. Yeah. And just not only showcasing their network of sites within Europe, but also the activities that there are to do once you're at their sites and the destinations. Fantastic. Yep. Um, and we've we've loved the sites that we've stayed out of there. They've been a complete mix from really small little uh, family-run sites in, in uh, Tuscany and Italy through to what could only be described as a campsite that's like a small town in Croatia, which has capacity for 10,000 people, um, which is called Umag Camping. Now, honestly, if somebody had told me that before we went, I would have been like, that's my idea of hell. We much prefer (laughs) smaller sites. Um, But funny enough, once you're actually in and on the campsite, it doesn't feel that big. Because it's so big, there's multiple of everything. It's all spread out, small sections. It's yeah. made to feel like it's a bit more intimate than just some monstrous town that you're that you're a part of. Wow! But but the sites we've stayed at from theirs have been brilliant because obviously if you're a member of the club, you expect a certain standard of facilities, and everything's been up up to scratch over here. And you know that they've been vetted a bit before that someone visited it. Yes, as well. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I know that um, I always use their travel service as well. And it's really good if you ever have a problem, you can well, put a pen in there. Yeah. Well, that was going to say the other part of the deal is obviously working with the red pendant side of things. So it's given us complete peace of mind uh, yeah. from an insurance point of view. And that if something did go wrong, touch wood, it hasn't really. We've had a yes. few little hiccups along the way, but nothing that's required us to be calling upon yeah. uh, their services. Okay, touch wood. <laughs> touch wood. And then, so there are our two main sort of brands that we've partnered with. Alongside sure. that, we're writing every month for Practical Motorhome magazine. Mm-hmm. So we write a feature for the magazine and a blog every month for Practical Motorhome magazine. Cool. And then I'm also writing, not every month, but fairly regularly at the moment for Cyclist magazine, who I've written for now for, I think, about three or, three or four years as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, well, I'm producing content for them along the way as well. Because you're a very passionate cyclist. Yes, uh, cycling is my one of big my thing. big loves and yeah, it, yeah. it's great because it does two things on this trip it means i can get a bit of time to myself in the mornings before everyone else is up and awake i yeah. go off early and, and explore so we get to i get to go and see more than we might do otherwise but also i get to go and find out what there is to do it often turns out that i found something or seen somewhere on my ride that we then go back to as a family mm. and you've done some fantastic rides the scenery has been absolutely stunning Oh, it's it's from a from a point of view on cycling, it's just been a dream. Every day I get to ride somewhere truly magnificent, and even places that are relatively not as beautiful as somewhere in the mountains and things are really interesting anyway. And you find a nice coffee shop along the way, sit, and it's just great to be out. Yeah, great way to explore, isn't it? Yeah, and then it gives me a bit of time to myself to think and reflect, and and just to reset sometimes when you need a bit of personal time. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this episode is going to be aired during the NEC Motorhome Caravan show or slightly after, but if we assume there's a possibility, I might do this episode on the Tuesday that the the show starts, actually. So it might be a good opportunity for us to mention that you're going to be there on the Wednesday. Yes. 
rather unexpectedly, but I am going to be back in the UK for a couple of days. And as a part of that, I will be speaking at the show at the NEC on the Wednesday, the 19th. And the focus of the talk is going to be around the beauty of the Balkans. And it's just to probably build on what we've been touching on today yeah. about not only the inspiration to go there, but also the practicalities of extending your adventure to go to somewhere like Bosnia and Herzegovina or Montenegro. Um, I'm sure you'll inspire so really, a few people. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's a little one of the world that's really found a place in our hearts and we have grown to love it very quickly. And it's something we're quite passionate about sharing with other people. So it would be a fantastic chance to do that at the show. So I would strongly recommend people come along. We've got some great content as part of the presentation for imagery and video content to really help bring that corner of the world to life. Cool, really cool. So where next? Would you, have you got a much of a plan ahead? Yes, we do. We are going back to Montenegro at the end of the month okay. uh, because we didn't really explore fully along the coast because we wanted to be in the mountains a lot more. But we're going to go back along the coast for two or three weeks because it's meant to be really nice weather at that time of year as well. So in November, it will still be 18, 19 degrees oh, nice. days. Yeah, nice. Uh, and then we're coming back up to Italy. We're doing... Uh, four days skiing which is with uh, a tourist board we've oh, never wow. skied before uh, uh, oh, we're, right. doing a little, we're doing a feature around around that for a sort of publication yeah and then this has only just very recently happened we're, we're, we're leaving the motorhome for four days and we're flying to lapland oh wow <laughs> we've just decided it's a one and once in a lifetime trip to go up there and I think yeah. Harrison's starting to get to the age where he's quite bright and sensible and he is starting to question is it really possible for one person to fly uh, <laughs> all around the world so we're, we're heading up to, to Lapland for four days and then we begin our migration south towards Morocco for winter uh, very cool very cool and, and then uh, and then after that do you do you intend to come back to the UK at some stage or how, how would well, you after start well, after Morocco, our plans take us through till the end of next summer now. Because of Brexit and the way everything's worked, after Morocco, we'll go to Spain and Portugal. Yeah. And then we take a boat from Barcelona across to Italy. And then we take a boat from Italy to Albania. Oh, wow. And then we're going through Albania, Greece, Turkey, Georgia. Wow. Uh, and then that takes us into sort of next summertime because we want to be in Georgia during summer so we can go up into the into the mountains there and really go and explore properly off the beaten track. Wow. And then wow. and then obviously we start coming back into Europe and back towards the UK. And that's where we're then thinking we've got a couple of ideas of how we can extend the trip. We need to speak to the relevant people who are partnering with us to see if it's possible. But we've yeah. got quite a... I don't want to say anything else. No, no. I haven't had those yeah. conversations. Yeah, sure. we've, got course, don't big, worry. we've got quite a big idea that if we can make it all work, we'll be pretty special. Wow, that does sound absolutely amazing. And you're catching up with some family along the way, I presume. Yeah, my mum has been out already on the trip to Switzerland. Mum and dad yeah. came out for a week in Switzerland. Kim's sisters and children, so all of Harrison Dorothy's cousins are coming out to see us in a couple of weeks in Croatia. Lovely. Uh, and then it looks like my mum will probably come out again to Morocco in her vehicle because she's got a uh, Mercedes RP motorhome conversion. Oh, yeah, so I've seen she's that. Gonna, Very smart. Yeah. Yep. 
So yeah. she's going to come out and join us in Morocco again. So yeah. I think that's that's probably maybe the hardest part of the trip is being away from family because we're both yeah. very close to our families. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. it's nice that we can include them a- a- along the way. Yeah. Is there anything else you miss from yeah. home? Do anything the UK? else we miss? Some of the the only thing we've really missed is the really good, authentic sort of Chinese Asian food. Uh, um, because Kim, Kim being uh, Chinese, we yeah. are missing that. But <laughs> otherwise, to be honest with you, not much at the moment. No, no, not not yet. No, cool. Okay, right. Well, I think that's probably probably enough of your time. I think you've got other commitments coming up in the next five minutes or so. So I probably ought to let you go. But it's really inspiring to catch up with you. I will continue to stalk you on uh, social media. Oh, you ought to give your social media handles out. There can't be anybody yeah. listening who wants to follow you. So you're. Uh, is it the big European Odyssey or just big? So no, so the trip's called the Big European Odyssey, even though yeah. we're going to end up in Africa and Asia along the way. But, <laughs> so my Instagram is at Marcus Leach Global, yeah, and Kim's is at Al dot Roaming dot Odyssey. Roaming Odyssey, that's it. Sorry, yeah. And then on Twitter, it's Marcus G Leach, and Kim doesn't use Twitter, so they're the three places that we share everything, sort of a day-to-day existence, practical advice. Kim does a lot of campsite reviews and top tips for traveling with children. And I do a lot of sort of travel inspiration stuff in the places I've discovered whilst on my bike as well. So if anybody has any questions based on what I've spoken about today, happy to answer. Just fire us a message on social media and we'll always get back to you and let you know as honestly as we can the answer. Yeah. And quickly on social media, I think you seem to use Twitter predominantly, do you think? No, I think it's a, I think it's a fifty fifty split. It depends on what content it is and who it's for. I think we get a lot yeah. more engagement and exposure with the caravan and motorhome club side of things through Twitter. So we do a lot of stuff for them there, yeah. and then a lot more stuff for Bailey and the cycling side on on Instagram. So it really depends who it's for. Right. Is the honest answer. Okay, that, that makes sense. That's interesting. And you don't do video then? You haven't gone down the YouTube route. We did start a YouTube channel, but to be honest with you, we've got so much going on, especially with the kids as well. It's just too much. And we want to live in the moment with them more. And if it was just Kim and myself traveling in the evenings, happily sit and spend an hour every night editing. But we want to be with the kids. We want to be out. We want to be doing things rather than constantly tied to producing more content. And that comes back to what I said about having a balance. We feel we're at a really nice point where we're doing enough content to engage and share uh, uh, the story, but not so much that we're not actually doing what we're meant to do. And that's travel and see the world. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, I'm loving that your your motorhome is giving you such an active and incredible experience. And I will see you at the um, NECC show. Perfect. Well, thank uh, you ever so much again for having me on. And yes. maybe next year we can catch up again when we're yes. six months further down the road. Yes, see where you are then. <laughs> Brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. Okay, Marcus, thank you very, very much. Perfect. Thanks, John. Take care. Well, I hope you found that fascinating. I am partly envious of Marcus's trip, partly thinking that could be hard work with you know a family, etc. But he's certainly living the best life he can at the moment. And every day I when I stalk him on social media, I do think, yeah, that looks that looks cool. That's really exciting and just an incredible experience. So well done to Marcus and well done. Keep the content going. Oh, did I mention we've mentioned in the interview, but if I 
if I didn't mention it, let me just repeat again. Marcus is actually taking a small break from his trip to come to the NEC show. He will be at the show on Wednesday, the 19th of October, doing a talk on stage about his trip so far and the highlights of his time in Croatia and Montenegro, etc. So you might be able to catch him for real at the show if you're listening to this in time. That's all for this week. I will leave you to enjoy the show and I will be back next week with hopefully a review of the show and I will speak to you then. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It'd be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.